it's so easy to just like think like, well, okay, if I want to scale, I have to do this because this is how other people scale. But I, I learned that people can scale so creatively and you're always going to scale faster and scale happier if you're doing something that you feel like you're intuitively aligned with. You're listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Messy in the Middle. With me today, I have Lucy. Lucy is a personality-driven copywriter whose bio I forgot to ask for. So I'm going to let her take it away and introduce herself. Lucy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I am the exact same way. I will be like talking about someone. I'll be like, I actually need to get a bio from them. Um, So I know how you feel but I can just kind of fill in the gaps there. You hit the nail on the head. I'm a personality pack copywriter and I write mostly for powerful women in a variety of industries that want to stand out online and make more sales. And the way they do that is with their copy, which is the salesperson who's working for them 24 hours a day. Awesome. I love your elevator pitch. I need to work on mine. (laughs) (laughs) Business Um, school really drilled it into me. (laughs) I actually started out in business school and I was like, these people are boring. I don't like it. Like everything's stupid. And I left the school of business. And then when I went back to my master's, I was like, it's going to be in business, isn't it? So (laughs) I definitely like, it's been drilled into me too, but I think I just like rebel. (laughs) Um, So you said you went to business school. How did you get into writing? Was it like your life's mission as a little kid watching rom-coms or like a teen watching sex in the city? Or was it more of like a stumble into like, oh my God, this is the path for me. Yeah, I I guess the accommodation. So my mom always joked, like when I was a kid, she'd go into my room and I was like seven or eight years old, like definitely not the phase where like kids are usually writing like full novels. And I would just have like lined paper, like all over the floor, like filled with narratives that I was writing. And she thought I was a serial killer because she's like, you're so weird. Um, So I think that was like my first time, like really getting into writing. It's always been how I've expressed myself. But when I went to school, I went to the University of Maryland in the business school, I really got into marketing. I was a marketing major. And I think it was towards actually the end of my senior year is when I heard copywriter for the first time. And I was like, oh, cool, like a lawyer. I'm going to go to law school. (laughs) Um, But then I did some more digging and saw that it was like a persuasive sales writer. And I was like, wait, I, I really vibe with this. So it was right after college. I was a fashion stylist at the time in a pandemic. Great career choice when everyone is looking super sexy for their house cat. Um, so then I switched over to copywriting and just created a profile on Facebook and really stumbled my way through those first few months. But somehow I think people liked the sassiness and the engagingness in my writing style. And I wrote a few websites for some clients that took a gamble on me. So if my first few clients are listening to this and you hired me in early 2020, thank you. Um, I had no (laughs) idea what I was doing, Um, but I'm glad we got your website up. And so, and then just kind of from there, continued to work with different women, different industries and dialed into my voice, but more importantly, got better at dialing into the client's voices. And from there was like, I think I just found my dream job that was like always in me, but it just took some time for me to fully express it. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. I was like, 
in a bunch of different things and I was doing marketing for people. And I thought that like, if I wanted to be in marketing, I had to be in social media. And I was like, I don't like writing these like two sentence captions as like my full-time job. Um, So I definitely can relate to like kind of stumbling into it. And I think about like the first couple of sites that I wrote and I'm like, wow, that was really bold of them to let me do that. But (laughs) thanks. They're still up. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I mean, you everyone needs a first client and you just mm-hmm. hope like your first client, like I, I'd like to hope that none of us go into marketing, like having no idea what we're doing, but like the imposter syndrome is real. Yeah, for sure. So in case the title of the show is unclear, Messy in the Middle is all about embracing the less than glamorous parts of running a business. We're all familiar with like that uncertainty and that overwhelm that comes with being a newbie. But then once we transition out of being new, it's like we feel like we're not allowed to be uncertain anymore. Do you feel like you had a point where you started making that transition and you were like, I don't feel like I'm a newbie newbie anymore, but like, wow, everything is more messy than I anticipated. Yeah, actually, like I think I I don't always actually talk about this period in my business, but I think there was an, a really odd phase where I was no longer a newbie. I was growing pretty quickly, but I still had that like proving energy. Like I have mm-hmm. to prove myself if I want like these like bigger clients. So I would say like, I almost tipped into that. Like, I want to be a perfect person that like is so confident that nothing phases her. And like, she gets her clients awesome results and like nothing bad ever goes wrong. And my content actually got in a, it just was in a place where it didn't feel real anymore. Like mm-hmm. I've always been that person that makes like the too real joke and like just laughs it off while crying. And I, I just didn't have any of that charm in my content. And I noticed a huge income dip. So it was just interesting that like when I kind of abandoned myself and abandoned that like cute, real personality mm-hmm. that got me to where I was, like the business suffered. Um, so I, 100%, I think we hit this point where we're like, okay, if I want to hit the next level, I have to mimic all the bro marketing tactics where it's like, now I'm this copywriter and I say this and I get people results and, you know, you lose that charm. But the truth is like that, that's the fun part. And I mean, I still have like moments where I I sign a client and I'm like, oh my God, I've never worked for this industry (laughs) (laughs) and I have a mini freak out. And then I have to like pull myself together and sit at the computer and like do what I do best, which is right. So I think like, as I've actually gotten more experienced, I've come to that, like, I don't need to prove myself like people Mm -hmm. who vibe with me and vibe with my writing, they're going to hire me or they're not. So there's really no need to always be like pushing or acting like this shell of a person that frankly, I'm not. Yeah. I think a lot of it definitely comes from like in that beginner stage, it's like, you just got to push, you got to put yourself out of your comfort zone. Like you don't know how to do this. And then we never take the time to remember like, wait, no, I do know how to do this now. It's been six months. It's been a year. It's been like, God knows how long. I know for me, like my beginner phase was really extended because I kept changing what I was doing and what I was offering. Like I was full service marketing. I was social media. I was copywriting. I was web design. I should not have been a web designer. Like (laughs) I kept doing all of these new things. And I think part of it came from like, anytime I felt like I was getting close to the messy middle, I was like, well, if it's still hard, maybe it's not the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then finally like switching into something that like felt challenging but not hard was like when the light switched and I was like I get to be in the messy middle and the messy middle is a great place to be yeah when do you feel like you made that transition from like not being a beginner anymore to like starting to maybe feel like you have to prove yourself or like try too hard to make it to that next level like how far in your business were you were there any like specific indicators that like made you realize it or was it just like a vibe over time 
Uh, It's probably more of a vibe over time. I think when I started like doing a ton of marketing and getting myself out there and like stopped identifying with messy. Like at this point, I think I had like consistent clients under my belt. I was getting good feedback about my work. And I was like starting to like throw myself into resources that like teach you how to level up. Like there comes Mm -hmm. a point in your business where you're like ready to consume the, like how to get to 10 K months content. Whereas Mm -hmm. like when you're a beginner, you're like, someone just pay me, please. (laughs) Like, I want to make sure I can do this. Um, so I think like when I was like, okay, I think I have like aspirations of scaling a business. I changed like my attitude, my mindset, which has to happen. Like, I don't want to, I don't want people to think like, oh, you have to keep this beginner mindset forever. But like, I think I kind of abandoned the stuff that makes me quirky and fun in an Mm -hmm. attempt to scale. So I think like that was the issue, not the fact that I was like changing my mindset and leveling up my skills. But it was kind of like, you felt that in order to do that, you almost had to abandon who you were. Like it was an either or and not an and. I get that a lot. Can you think of anything that's happened, you know, after crossing out of beginner territory that was like, oh my gosh, this is such a rookie mistake. How can I let this happen? Like, I cannot believe like big oops type vibes. Can you think of anything like that? hundred percent. I, um, so I essentially decided like, I I'm going to develop an offer. Like that's a a course because everyone told me like, you have to become a coach if you're going to scale. And like, I was so naive. Like, I don't understand why I thought this was the way to grow a course coaching business. So I created a course called how to scale to consistent 5k months in 90 days as a copywriter. Cause I was like, I did that. I can Mm -hmm. teach people how to do that. And I think I was just chasing this like next step that like other people do. Like you, you hit a milestone and then you create a course and it sells like hotcakes and you become an eight figure business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I sent out one email marketing the course. Of course I had a $0 launch. Like I'm a copywriter. How did I think that this would work? Um, and it just, it didn't come from an authentic place. And very quickly I realized I'm not meant to be a coach. I'm meant to be a done for you service provider. I came to this world to write, but going back to that, like abandoning who you are, it's so easy to just like, think like, well, okay, if I want to scale, I have to do this because this is how other people scale. Mm-hmm. But I, I learned that if people can scale so creatively and you're always going to scale faster and scale happier. If you're doing something that you feel like you're intuitively aligned with. Yeah, definitely. I remember my first course was like kind of the same concept. It was like, I built my marketing agency to six figures with an asterisk. Like, was it really six figures? No, but did we have like 8K months? Sure. Um, (laughs) You know, because marketing um, (laughs) to six figures without a website, here's how. And I built this course all about it. And it's what is now my level up with LinkedIn lead gen course. But then the way I tried to sell it was just like following that formula that Mm. everyone out there has. And like, I'm not a templated fill in the blank formula type person. And Mm. I'm not an hour long webinar to sell the thing. Like that's so not me. So Mm -hmm. like the fact that I've spent the last year, like trying to sell this thing like that, like this thing that is so purely me with like someone else's guidelines, just because I like didn't trust myself to like do something new. Like, 
uh, that's like my biggest rookie mistake that's happened in the last year too. It's just like, I approached that all wrong. And now we're launching it in like a way more authentic and way more real way. And it's like, oh, this is how it was supposed to be done. (laughs) Maybe I could have sold more of these. I I so relate to that. I think I read like some book for 99 cents on Amazon from like some dude who created a course who pre-sold the course and then like has this whole like community online of course people that sell courses. And I was like, this is so, like now I'm working on a template shop and I told myself from the get-go, like this is going to launch the way I want to launch. Mm-hmm. Like real chill. It's going to be an evergreen product, but there's going to be like a fun little launch party because at the end of the day, I'm not meant to be that like pusher who goes through this like three, six week, like rigid launch process. Mm -hmm. And I think like, we have to be so mindful about the resources that we consume online and the people we follow, because, you know, there's so many people that, yeah, maybe it worked for them, but they're going to pick out the best success stories, the best results. And they're not going to talk about the people who did the launch plan and made $0. So (laughs) this is coming from the person who had a $0 launch proudly saying that, you know, not everyone's a success story, especially when you say that there's one formula to do things. Yeah, definitely. Because also like, it's such a dichotomy. I think of being like, this is the formula. This is what you follow. If you don't follow it, like we can't help you because our suggestion is to do it our way. But then also it's like, everyone works with different people. Everyone has different goals. Like you're the driver of your own business. And it's like, well, which is it? Like, am I the decision maker or am I following your formula to get your results? Like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. On like a side note, what are your thoughts on pre-selling courses and content that like doesn't exist yet because I have very mixed feelings about it yeah I mean I'm personally fine with it I think it's a great way to like gauge demand especially if you're not sure if a course is going to sell or if it's wanted Mm -hmm. I have a habit of like making things up in my head and being like this is genius and then like getting out there and being like no one wants this so I think like it's really valuable because sometimes people will be like yeah of course I'd buy that but like would they actually give you money for it so a pre-sale helps you like bridge that gap I think the places where I have issues with it are um, when when it's done like in kind of a predatory way of like, mm. this is going to be the lowest price you're ever going to get. Like, just be honest and say like, hey, I'm going to pre-sell the course. Like there's going to be a, a discount because you're like taking a risk on me and thank mm-hmm. you for doing that. Um, or like the same kind of language you'd use with like a beta program. So I think like I have more issues with the messaging around it as opposed to the tactic itself. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think sometimes about like, people pre-selling stuff where it's like, oh, you're pre-selling, but like, you don't even have an outline, a curriculum, like you just have like Mm -hmm. a catchy title. And like, that stresses me out so much because (laughs) I like, I pre-sold my course when I first launched it, but I had like a very detailed outline of like, this is what the course is going to be. And this is what you will learn. And this is what I will teach. And I feel like there was a period and I'm like hoping that it's over of like, have a headline, sell five of them, figure the rest out. And like, that stresses me out so much, but like there's people out there doing that. This week's episode of Messy in the Middle is sponsored by Thought Leaders Collective. Are you so sick of Facebook groups, totally over Instagram pods, looking for a place to find community and collaboration online without all the spammy sales, bro marketers, and frankly, bullshit that comes with the online space, then boy, do I have the thing for you. 
Thought Leaders Collective is for the online service provider who is ready to step into the spotlight and make a name for themselves, but is just plain tired of coming up with fresh new content for every platform every week. You just want to log on, share your genius, and bask in the glow of your newfound visibility. But it can't be that easy, can it? With Thought Leaders Collective, it totally can. Weekly thought leadership prompts delivered straight to your inbox. Co-working sessions so you can carve out the time to actually be visible on LinkedIn. Strategic planning to get you laser focused. And a supportive community of other online service providers who just get it. What more could you ask for? I could tell you stories of members like Rachel, who had someone submit an inquiry on her site within hours of posting her first TLC prompt. Or Kira, who said, Haley, this LinkedIn shit is bananas. My visibility and reach are insane. Or Meg, who is a self-described LinkedIn stan, now that TLC is supporting her content and community needs. Or you could go to thepropagy.com slash TLC and use code MESSY at checkout to get your first month free and see for yourself how great TLC and LinkedIn can be. That's thepropagy.com slash TLC with code M-E-S-S-Y at checkout to get your first month free. After that, it's just 27 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime, but I doubt you'll want to. Can't wait to see you on LinkedIn. So yes, back on track. Um, we talk on your website about your values of authenticity, transparency, and teamwork. And we've talked a little bit about authenticity so far on this podcast. How did you arrive at those values as like being your business values? Um, and can you talk a little bit about maybe how they show up in your day-to-day, like for your business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that I'm just really big on, even with my clients is you have to know your values because those are going to drive your brand voice. And if Mm -hmm. you don't know who you are and you don't know what you stand for, then people won't either. So even though those words sound so corporate, (laughs) especially authenticity, I'm like, Oh God, Lucy, just think of a better word. It it really does like encompass what I stand for. Um, So authenticity really just putting all of me into my content. It's a work in progress. I've always been a pretty guarded person. So being vulnerable online, especially on a business account is like, it doesn't come easy, but at the end of the day, I always strive to be more of Mm -hmm. myself and put more of all of my parts out there. And then when it comes to transparency, so this one's a little bit more concrete. One of my biggest pet peeves in the business world is a lack of knowing like what you're getting Um, So I made the decision really early on that I'm going to put all my prices on my website. There's no surprises. You're going to get the exact same price as the other person who just got off a discovery call with me. I'm not going to like ask you your budget only to sell you the highest ticket package. I want everything to perfectly fit your needs. And that was like something that was like a no brainer because like, Mm -hmm. I don't hire service providers that don't give me any information on what I'm actually getting. So why would I do that to the people that in theory are my ideal clients? Mm -hmm. And then the last one, teamwork is... You know, I do walk into places wanting to take over your writing. I know some people are like, oh, it's going to be like a, it's going to be like a thing where we work together. Your ideas are welcome at the table. And 100%, I believe in collaboration and teamwork, but definitely 
with the spin and the idea that like, I want you to bring me the ideas, but there's also just an element of like trusting each other as teammates. Mm. I trust you to run your business. And if you're going to bring me in, hopefully you trust me to take over your launch emails or your web copy, just because I have the experience and the results to make it happen. So Mm. I think it's more, it's less of like an exact equal teamwork partnership, which is I think like what people often think of when they see teamwork and more of a, we're both going to stay in our zone of genius. So you can scale exponentially faster. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like having like a team, like you have your offenders, you have your defenders and like they're not trying to be (laughs) each other's thing. I remember once when I was in high school, I was in field hockey and we like weren't a good team, but there was one game that we were like absolutely crushing the other team. And so our coach switched everyone's positions. And so like, I'm a defender, like I've never been past like the box for the like field hockey goal. And they're like, all right, you're an offender now. I'm like, what after run? What is happening? (laughs) And I feel like that can be a good metaphor though, for like, if you bring someone on as like a team member, but then you try to do their job, it's like, no, we need to work together. We need to stay in our lane and we need to like accomplish this goal together. So that's awesome. I love that. I love talking to people about their values. It's like one of my favorite things that I get to do when I'm working with clients and then just like nerding out about them with friends in general is like so good. Speaking of so good, let's talk about the copy roast because it's kind of my favorite thing ever. And I'm sure it's close to your favorite thing ever. Um, And it sounds way more fun than just like, oh, I'm going to do an audit. (laughs) So how did you come up with not only like the idea of doing the copy roast, but also the name? Yeah. So it started off where at this point, like my business was growing. I was really kind of targeting people who were like so ready to invest in a copywriter. But there is like a part of my heart where I love working with people who are like so new. They want their messaging super strong from the get go, but they're just not ready to like go all in on a package. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I want to think of like an offer that is insanely valuable, but also accessible. So my first thought was going for an audit. I've seen it done a lot in the business world. So it's not like I'm reinventing the wheel, but you know, in typical my right hand woman fashion, I didn't want to just slap audit and be like, okay, we're going to now like look at your coffee and give you actionable suggestions. So I wanted to make it really like out there and fiery. Um, So I thought about like the idea of like roasting someone in like the comedic sense. And I'm like, I might be able to work with this. Um, So I really, I think that might've been one of the most like risque offers I've gone for. (laughs) Um, But I was like, you know, if I'm going to go for it, I'm going to go for it. So I trademarked the name, just totally played on this whole fire theme for the sales page. Um, And then I, I love it now. It's one of my favorite offers. It's one of the offers that was invested in the most. I got multiple eyes on it. I hired my web designer and I was like, literally go crazy, like put flames all over it. Like it doesn't <laughs> need to look professional. I want this to be like all out. Yeah. Um, so that that's how my audit <laughs> became a copy roast. Do you feel like, or I guess like the process of doing a copy roast, if you want to maybe talk through that, is it the same as an audit, just like with some more personality in the messaging around it? Or do you actually like literally roast them? <laughs> like what's I, the process for yeah. a roast like? I am so much nicer than my copy on that sales page. So if you're thinking about getting a copy roast, just know that the meanest I'll ever be is in the marketing. Um, because when it actually comes down to it and someone does invest in me, the process is I go through their copy either with them, like on a Zoom call, like kind of what we're doing now, or I do it recorded. So they send me what they want me to audit. And then I record a video telling them 
how I would change things. And I've never been that person who's just like, oh, let me just tell you your headline sucks and not tell you why or how Mm -hmm. to fix it. So I always provide actionable suggestions and verbal edits so that you're seeing like, oh, okay, my headline's not very strong because of this reason. And this is the new headline I should use. So really it's almost like I'm verbally writing copy for you. Mm -hmm. The only difference is I'm not actually writing it. And you're just going to have to either you or a VA is going to just have to go in and make those edits. Got it. So like someone will listen to the copy roast and be able to like make the changes that you're suggesting verbally, but you're not actually like doing track changes or anything like that in the document. Awesome. Pretty much. Yeah. And then they also get a burn book. So Mm -hmm. um, that burn book contains all of my actionable suggestions in writing because I know it can be annoying to like have to go through a 20 minute video and like be like, oh, wait, I got to pause that. Mm -hmm. Um, So the notes just kind of help you like skim and see like what needs to be changed. Yeah. I feel like I, you know how like people are engaged listeners. So they're like always nodding and like affirming and participating in the conversation. I feel like I'm that when I read stuff. And so I don't even know if I could like have it in me to like have access to a Google doc and not leave like 17 comments per page, like in the little (laughs) comment section. Okay. So you have a lot of different service offerings listed on your website from the VIP writing days to full web copy. Of course, the copy roasts. And then you're talking about, you know, having a template shop. I don't know if your course shop is still open or if you've like done anything with that. Um, But how do you balance like what to focus on or what to offer and like make all of the workflows work together so that you're not like absolutely working like a machine all the time? Or maybe you are. I don't know. (laughs) No, I work 25 hour weeks. Um, So I think the main thing is cutting offers actually, ironically. So I'm going to be cutting off the course shop. The courses aren't going anywhere. Someone comes up to me and it's like, Hey, do you have a course on captions? Like, of course the material is mm-hmm. still going to be there. I can give that to them, but just knowing like what's working and what's not. And it's always hard to say no to a service offering, especially when you've poured a lot of time into it. But mm-hmm. at some point you're like, mm, my heart's not in it. It's a sunk cost. Like you just have to move on. So I'm really moving to like three tiers. So there's going to be the DIY people. Like if you're super new, that's what the template shop is for. And that's what's going to be coming out. So it's going to have a web copy template, a sales copy template, and a nurture emails for a year template. And then there's like kind of the done with you option. That's the roast. So that's for the new people that are like, no, I want professional eyes on my copy or the growing people who are like almost ready to invest in Mm -hmm. a copywriter, but need a little bit more time. And then there's like the full done for you. So there's the VIP days and the VIP retreats, which are just ideal for like coaches, service providers, um, e-commerce businesses. And then there's my full packages, which tend to be for like the people who are very established or if I'm working with a company, usually because they have so many more people that need to put eyes on the copy, the VIP day does not work (laughs) um, because you have to be very back and forth with the client. So that's kind of how I've now separated it into three tiers. So even though it's a lot of offers, like it's kind of a a flow. So people Mm -hmm. know exactly like where they are and like which offer they're best off working with me for. How do you balance like your capacity for VIP days versus full, you know, full service projects versus roasts. Like what is like, I kind of want to know, like, what does a week look like as someone who's currently like trying to have a better structure to their week? I'm always like, what's your calendar look like? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the nice thing is I've actually gotten to the point in my business where I take on very few full projects just mm. because of how much gets done in a VIP day. I write full websites in VIP days. I, I actually just had a VIP half day where I pumped out two sales pages. So it's like insane amounts of work get done in a very short period of time. So most clients are like, don't even show me the full package. Just give me a day on your calendar. Um, and that's just great for time management because mm-hmm. um, there was a point where I was taking about like 10 to 15 VIP days a month. And I was dying. I was like, I like this. I I mean, I could like buy a BMW, but like, I can't do this. Like, this (laughs) is insane. So um, that's one of the reasons why I've just kind of like diversified into other options. But to be completely honest, the nice thing about the VIP days, I don't really book out. And Mm -hmm. um, so if someone has like their dream copywriter and they contact them and they're like, oh my God, it's a six month wait list. Like I can probably give them a VIP day in a week or two. Mm -hmm. So that's one part of my business model I really like because I'm a terrible planner. So I like the (laughs) idea that if someone has like a launch that they just want to like go get it done, they can just come to me and it's like not a like whole process that they have to do. um, And they still get copy that converts. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite of all of your services, maybe besides the copy roast, unless I'm projecting and that's not actually your favorite service? <laughs> I love, so I love the marketing of the copy roast, but I think when it comes to my heart, like I'm a writer. So mm-hmm. like when I have a done for you client and we can just like bang out their whole website in a day and then they're like, oh my gosh, like I have four new inquiries after posting this website for three days. And people tell me they keep reading my website and like laughing their ass off like that. Those are the things I live for just because Mm -hmm. I want to be the one to just get in there and write it and make it so that you're super engaging and compelling on the internet and you hit your goals. I love that. Now we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to get into pricing um, because I feel like that's a big part of being a beginner is like, being stressed about your pricing, asking for a lot of (laughs) feedback about your pricing, like getting nervous when you press send on proposals, like for your pricing. But it sounds like you not only reached a point where you're confident in your pricing, but you've also kind of like nailed it as far as like getting people to say yes, it being kind of a no brainer. Um, So I'd love to talk about like what your pricing journey has been um, and what you do to approach maybe pricing a new offer or changing the price of an older offer as you continue to grow. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I started out, I mean, like every newbie, I was totally undercharging. I I was charging kind of by my time and mm-hmm. by word count, which, you know, if anyone's in the copywriting space, you should know that less words is better. So why would you shoot yourself in the foot like that? Um, so that was, I think a big mindset hurdle to get over is like, don't charge for what I'm putting in charge what the client's getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big thing for the VIP day. I mean, if someone broke down my VIP day price per hour, they'd be like, okay, you're a New York city divorce attorney. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is insane. Um, but if you look at it, you know, you think like a really high quality long form sales page, you're looking at easy $2,000. Mm-hmm. So if we can do two and we can do them both in one day, and then you can launch six weeks earlier, you make six weeks more of income. And you also like, let's say it takes you two or three weeks to write a sales page by yourself. If mm-hmm. you can, like some people just don't even have that skill set. Think about how much money you're saving. Think about how much more you're making and think about the value that you're getting. Um, So that's kind of the mindset I went into the VIP day with. And then honestly, I I also do a lot of pricing based off demand. Like when I was hitting 10 to 15 VIP days a month, I was like, I think it's time for a price increase. Like clearly, (laughs) clearly this is working. Um, So that's, that's another thing is I just, I I read the room, look at the market, see who I want to work with, and then just see like what I'm able to bring to the table. 
And do you ever get like pushback on your pricing of like people saying it's too expensive or people saying like, oh, I could pay someone $50 an hour to do this? Or do you like feel like you've gotten yourself into a good enough niche where the people like know what to expect and you're kind of on the same level? Oh, 100%. I think really anyone in any space has people that do price objections. But I mean, I, I know that sure, you can go on Fiverr Upwork and grab someone for $50 an hour, but you're just not going to get the same results. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I'm pretty confident in that because I know that I'm right on par for prices with other copywriters that I look up to. And I think their writing style is really results oriented. And also I have a really intense like inquiry form. So most of the time, by the time I get on the phone with someone, they know the price, they know a lot about me. They've been following me for a while. So um, I will say that if anyone wants to pay like $80 for a full website, they're very much scared away by my form. That's probably a good point. (laughs) Um, on a completely separate note, you talk a lot about loving travel. And I think I've seen like on Instagram or somewhere calling yourself like a digital nomad. Um, how does travel work into your work-life balance or like managing a routine and like keeping up with work while you're traveling? Cause I know that's something I struggle with. If I like go to my yeah. parents' house for the weekend, I'm like broken. Like <laughs> I'm not good at being broken out of my routine. <laughs> Oh, I'm chaos. Like I'm not even going to lie to anyone. Um, like I really don't have much of a routine. Obviously, if I assigned a VIP day, like that's really nice because I know for six hours I have to be at my laptop. And like, let's say I'm in a country with a weird time zone. I always work EST hours. Um, so it might mean like, yeah, I'm nocturnal, but at least like, I know, like we're going to bang this out in this period of time. Um, mm-hmm. things that go out the window are me eating three meals a day, but usually clients get served and then let get hit. <laughs> and then you get to have fun, I guess, during the rest of the day when you're like abroad or For sure. What's yeah. your favorite, like, I guess, what's your favorite place to travel to? And what's your favorite type of trip to take? Oh, that's a good one. I think my favorite place to travel to is Italy. Um, I lived there for a year, so I made a lot of like close friends and also learned Italian. So when mm-hmm. I go there, I joke that it's like my home of Europe. And my favorite trip to take is I'm a city girl. Like mm-hmm. I definitely have my moments where like, yes, like writing someone's copy on the beach is like a total vibe. But like at the end of the day, like I love like the bustling people, like being able to go to a cafe and just get some like bougie mat- matcha latte and like pump out the work. So definitely like anything where there's like tons of people, tons of energy is like where Mm -hmm. I want to be. I I agree with that a lot. I was in, um, I live in Philly and I was in center city yesterday, just like walking around and I was like, I kind of miss this because I lived like a little further out from like the main hustle and bustle now. And I'm like, this is the energy I came here for. Like I need (laughs) to come downtown and work more often. So that is pretty much it for my questions. My last one I have is what's next for Right Hand Woman? What's next for Lucy? Where's the next place you're going? What's the next thing you're doing? Tell me all the hot goss. Yeah. So um, Q4 is historically when I have no social life because (laughs) everyone has Black Friday and Christmas launches. So Mm. I knew I needed to buckle down for these last four months especially in the summer, I've been doing a lot of like three days here, three days here, which is like teen girl goes to Europe for the first time and is so not sustainable. Um, So I'm going to be moving to Mexico City and I got an Airbnb for four months just to really like settle in some place that's, you know, US hours. So I'm not like sacrificing all of my sleep and also just like a really easy to access city um, where I can just get a lot of work done. Um, and then in terms of the business, it's, it's templates that that's what I'm like chugging along every day. I think 
I just finished the first part of the web copy template, which just the homepage template, because I wanted to give people so much um, value is 30 pages. Oh my so God. I'm like, this is going to be the next great American copywriting novel by the time I'm done with it. But it's all very write your own copy, really well laid out framework. So even though it's long, it's not like I'm writing paragraphs because that's great. Right. It's like I'm writing things that are going to guide you to creating your own copy that converts. That's awesome. Do we have a launch date planned for the template shop? Special inside scoop for the Messy in the Middle podcast listeners. So I actually, um, I... As I was creating the three templates I talked about, I decided I'm going to give people a surprise template that I'm only going to talk about when it happens, which is launching on August 1st. I'm assuming this episode is going to come out after August 1st. Um, Yeah, I think probably like mid-August. Perfect. So I can just go ahead and say it. But one thing I'm so passionate about is helping business owners create a brand voice that feels true to who they are, is super engaging, and helps them go further with their copy. So I'm creating, well, it's created, it's done actually, the brand voice template so business owners can create their own messaging guide and not have to pay someone like, you know, it's usually like anywhere from three to 7K to get it created professionally. So just really want to give people that access to a really potent document, um, especially if they're new because it's the make or break. It's basically Mm -hmm. your verbal branding. Definitely. And what's the, um, sorry, one more question. What's the price point going to be like for the template shop? Like- where are we landing on that? Yeah. So uh, the big ones, um, so web copy, sales copy, and nurture emails are going to be $2.95. And then the brand voice template is just a little bit smaller. So it's going to be $1.95. Awesome. That's going to be so great for people who are like ready to take it seriously, but like yeah. not. This is not going to be your like run in the mill, <laughs> like $47, like Mad Lib cookie cutter template that mm-hmm. makes you sound like everyone else. Like we go deep. And like, if you follow these templates, I guarantee you will write converting web copy. Absolutely love that. Cannot wait to refer people over to you because <laughs> I have no you. interest in creating a template. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Um, tell people where they can find you and get to know you better online. Absolutely. So come hang out with me on Instagram. That's where I am for way too many hours of the day. Um, <laughs> you can find me at my right hand woman, right spelled like writing. I create a lot of reels and I'm always really active in the DM. So really just be super casual. Even if you want to work together, just DM me. And then when it comes to my online presence, I have a website. It's myrighthandwoman.com. And I think those are my only two <laughs> platforms right now. I keep it really like streamlined. Not ready to get onto LinkedIn yet. <laughs> I know. I, I always see your stuff and I'm like, oh man, it'd be so good like to like target more corporations. But yeah, it's just every platform is like such a commitment. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for listening. And we will chat again next week on Messy in the Middle. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!